Hello and welcome back to our devotions on the Psalms. Today we continue with part 2 of Psalm 73. But let me read the entire psalm because it is such an important and powerful psalm, something that is so practical to us and applies to our lives every day. The first part of the psalm talks about the envy of the wicked and the arrogant. But let's, let me first read all of it. Let us pray. Father, speak your truths to us. Allow us to see how your truths reach out to our lives. Allow us to see the pitfalls that await us and to walk in your ways. Lord, allow your Holy Spirit to speak your truths to us as we read this psalm. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 73 a psalm of Asaph. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had almost lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They're free from common human burdens. They're not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From the calloused hearts comes iniquity. The evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. With arrogance they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the Almighty, does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like, always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been afflicted and every morning brings new punishments. And then part two. If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. Until I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground, you cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. They are like a dream when one awakes. When you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet I am always with you, you hold me by my right hand, you guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you, and on earth has nothing I desire besides you? My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish, you destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. This is the precious word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. So let me recap just very briefly. Last Thursday we talked about our envy of the arrogant and the prosperity of the wicked. We look at them living carefree lives. The ones who are powerful, the ones who are rich, seem to have every advantage. And so often we develop that um, those cynical thoughts, cynical sayings like 
might is right, meaning that when you have all the power, you're always right, no one can dispute you, or money talks, that when you have money, no matter how wrong you are, you get your way. And we begin to develop such a cynicism because it looks like that in the real world. The one who bullies, the one who raises the voice, the one who has the money, the one who has the power, has everything. And the righteous ones are the losers. And we feel like the psalmist who says, Surely in vain I've kept my heart pure and I've washed my hands in innocence. Why do I need to continue like this? When can I strike back? And I think this is a very common problem. Because just in the past few days, just yesterday alone, I had a call from a friend who asked me the same question. What if, what if there are no consequences for the wicked? What if the wicked can do anything they want and they have no fear of consequences because everyone is afraid of them and they have the money and they have the power to do whatever they like? And people are just oppressed and all they say is, well, that's me, too bad. What then? Do we take revenge? Again, earlier on, another friend asked, when can I take revenge? How long do I have to submit to such bullying, to such oppression? When can I just come out and fight? Must a Christian always be a doormat? Must a Christian always be trodden underfoot? It's a very difficult question. And we often struggle with this. But if we were to become cynical, and if we were then to say, well, it doesn't pay to be godly, it doesn't pay to love our enemies or bless those who curse us or pray for those who despitefully use us, it is in vain that we trust in God. Why not take things into my own hands and fight back? The psalmist says, if I had spoken like that, cynically, then I would hurt future generations. I would hurt those who depend on me for wisdom. And how true it is. Though we face a lot of hardships, it is important for us as Christian community, and often as people who guide others, even as parents, to speak the truth of God, that the truths of God are eternal and God says love your enemies pray for those who despitefully use you bless those who curse you these are the eternal truths of God and if we were to speak otherwise then we lead others astray and we betray those who depend on us to uphold the truth but it's so hard to understand this and then the psalmist says, until I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood the final destiny. In verse 17, he says, until I come before the presence of God. And that's such an important thing. You see, when we keep thinking of the problems that we face and the impunity of the wicked, we become more and more bitter, more and more envious, and more and more lured towards their lifestyles believing that maybe they have a way. But the truth comes when we come into God's presence. You know, which is why it's so important to spend time in prayer every morning. Sometimes we say, well, actually, I'm a Christian. I am 
spiritually sound, I am strong, I've been a Christian for 20-30 years, therefore it's not that important for me to do my quiet time. Well, as I said before, it is not a rule that you do your quiet time. But do you notice how for days if you do not spend time in God's presence, you become more and more cynical. You begin to lose perspective of life. It is only when each morning or each evening, or at least once a day, we come before God and we say, God, speak to me your truths. Minister to me. Remind me of all the truths that are from you. That I may not be able to see right now, but help me to hang on to those. It is then that we see real perspective of what is happening. And the psalmist says, when I come to the sanctuary of God, then I understand the truth, the final destiny of the wicked. That the wicked are actually standing on slippery ground. They are destroyed completely, swept away not by, not by circumstances alone, but by their own terrors. I've often thought about this. Does a rich, powerful oppressor actually enjoy his life? Does he really have quality of life because he has everything, he has all the wealth in the world, he can do anything he wants? And then I begin to see that they are usually very miserable people. They're afraid of enemies. They're afraid of people who will outrank them. They're constantly worried that they are beaten by others, outwitted by others. I have a friend who, um, a prisoner, ex-prisoner, he was, uh, as a gangster, he was earning tens of thousands of dollars every month. Really rich. And then he was transformed. And after his transformation, he came out, well, he was transformed in prison. And after he came out from prison, he decided to lead a different kind of life. But leading that different kind of life with his, um, with his, educational qualifications and all that didn't give him a very good job. He ended up with a job paying him $2,000. Imagine a man who was earning tens of thousands a month finally earning $2,000 a month. And then he said this, but I find a joy. I find myself so much at peace. When I walk the streets, I no longer have to look behind me and look every way to see enemies ready to pounce on me don't have to worry about police or the central narcotics coming after me. I live a carefree life now. I go to work, I come out. But what was even more ironical or paradoxical was that he end up, ended up having savings. And as he looked at the end of the month at his savings, he was amazed. He said, you know, when I was earning tens of thousands of dollars, I didn't have a single cent and I was running from creditors and money lenders. Now that I earn $2,000, I end the month and I still have a few hundred dollars spare. After a few years, he was able to buy a flat and then get married. And again, he looked back in amazement and said, when I was making tons of money, I never had a house. I never could support a family. I was always living in fear. Today, I live peacefully and I am able to save up and have a family. You know, Sometimes when we look at just the things that are before us, earning tons of money and envying those who are powerful, 
we fail to realize the anxieties that they face. I've experienced that too. In my many years of life, I've learned at times to pray for those who hate me, to love my enemies. I've also at times wanted to take revenge and to harbor resentment in my heart. And I know the great difference. When I harbor resentment in my heart, I feel afraid, I feel tense and anxious, and that anxiety affects my relationships with others as well. And that increases the number of enemies I have, the amount of resentment I have. But when I finally say to God, God, teach me to forgive, teach me to no longer hold on to the resentment, I discover a peace. I discover that I am able to face difficulties, face anxious moments in calmness, in a sort of rest that life's is, life is a lot more joyful even when I've been hurt by others or dealt a, shock, dealt a bad hand by others. And it's true then that those who seem to be powerful are standing on slippery ground. They are destroyed and swept away by their own terrors. And the psalmist continues in verse 21, When my heart was grieved, my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant, I was a brute beast before you. When we are so full of that anger, so full of that resentment and hatred, we are hateful beings, even before God. But what is even more tragic is that we, we fail to see the blessings and the opportunities that God gives to us. It is only when we realize that every circumstance, even when we are bullied, even when we are made to walk the second mile or to give up our cloak when our shirt has been taken, even when we are called to turn the other cheek, God has plans for us that blesses us. Just the other day, I, was, I felt very angry that I was made to do something extra. But in the course of doing that extra thing, I realized that I had so much more time to do the things that I wanted. It was a paradox. I can't give you the details, but it was such a paradox that as I paused to see what inconvenience had caused me, it actually had caused me nothing, but given me new opportunities to do things that were pleasing to myself. We all should try this. When others take advantage of us, instead of being full of resentment and anger and hatred, try pausing and saying to God, God, why have you placed me? Why have you led me in this path? What blessings do you have for me? We may discover to our joy that what seemed like you're being a victim, what seemed like you being made a loser, has turned out to be a blessing for you. And then God says, even when I am a bitter, brute beast before you, the psalmist says, I'm always with you. You hold me by my right hand. The beautiful thing is that God never gives up on me. God never gets upset with us. Even when we are so angry and turning away from God, God stands by us, gently persuading us to walk with him. And this beautiful verse, verse 26, My flesh and my heart may fail, 
but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Even as we go through difficult times, even when we are bullied by others, even when we see the power of the wicked, and our heart fails us, we do not need to worry because God is the strength of our hearts. Meaning that God will still stand by us even when we are terrified. God will stand by us even when we are discouraged. God never leaves us. And so in verse 28, concluding passage, it says, But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. As we look back at our lives, the ups and downs of our lives, the times when we were filled with bitterness and hurt ourselves like brute beasts, and the times when we surrendered to God and we said to God, God, just hold me, hold my hand through this difficult passage of life. Even when relationships are tearing apart, even when I'm scolded or abused verbally, even when I'm hurt by others and feel that I have no recourse, yet I can see that God was with me, blessing me every step of the way. And I can, instead of harboring resentment in my heart, ask God where the blessing is in the path that we have been made to walk. Because even though others may have meant evil for us, God has turned it into a blessing. Let us pray. Father, you are the Almighty God, the Sovereign God, the God who has control of all things, who sees our lives in its totality. And God, you love us so much. Help us, Lord, to see life the way Joseph saw life, that though his brothers had meant evil for him, God had turned all of it into good. Help us to see this eternal truth. That while we may be helpless against the powerful, the rich, the oppressors, we may feel abused by those who exercise power over us. Yet, Lord, we are not alone. Yet, we are not without help. Yet, Lord, we are not without comfort. Because you, the Almighty God, the God of all the universe, you are with us and you stand by us. That even as our hearts fail, when our hearts fail, Lord, you are there and you will walk with us. That at the end of our lives, Lord, we may turn around and look at, in amazement at what you have done for us. And we may bow and declare how great you are. Father, let this be our testimony and let this be our story as we learn to walk even in adversity, turning to you and trusting in your love, your care for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Well then, you have a really wonderful week ahead and may you always walk with our Lord and taste his goodness for you. God bless you. Goodbye.